My name is Richard Miller, and we are joined today by our co-host, who, just like me, feels a bit smug about advocating that Action Mass, Massimo Alongo, should uh, start the game. Your friend of mine, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? I'm all right. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm already annoyed that I called him Alongo, who is um, who's actually a coach from the UFC and not our um, our Australian Italian midfielder who is Luongo but there you go breaking hoo-hoos breaking hoo-hoos and the main talking point really is the midweek game with Hull City again uh, away at all at the KCOM Stadium KCOM Stadium where maybe we potentially got a very very soft gnawing instead of a mauling by the Tigers you think yeah you no. got you got nuzzled by the tigers. Nuzzled by the tigers. They give a little playful chew on our hands. <laughs> oh dear. Well, it, I I didn't watch all of that game, but I, I did watch most of it, and it was pretty um pretty dour affair all round. Did you did you manage to take it in at all? Um, well, as I was saying to Rich prior to this week, I've got some breaking hoo-hoos in that um, I was uh, getting laid off while the game was in process. So um, the benefit of that was I managed to get home to watch the second half, to watch Wednesday concede. So it, it just uh, it gets better, ladies and gentlemen. So I, I did get to watch the second half, in which maybe we looked brighter than the first. I, I'm uh, curious how, so. how we yeah. kind of match up. If there's anything I've missed. I don't think so. It was too fairly drab teams kind of pouring away at each other to uh, continue the, um, <laughs> the the poor the poor imagery of the tiger i don't know whether it was a mistake as much as just a good cross and a, and a very very good header to, to allow them to score i think probably we had the better chances overall i know we were... i mean I, I watched the second half in which we've been denied a penalty that was the big talking point, really, wasn't it? Well, I guess the interesting thing was, I mean, I, I, I didn't think it was a penalty at the time. Replays showed otherwise. But it was kind of like Murphy, with his pace, was essentially checked and then rolled out of the box. He was sort of kicked out of the box. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes. <laughs> hoofed, hoofed wide of the He'd box. He'd be rolling, so it sounds like he's done some kind of level of play acting. Much like uh, the Tigers have been rolling around on their belly with a ball. <laughs> most of the season just yeah. a really beleaguered it's analogy of uh of tigers and um What's the analogy that, and then, so that should have been a penalty so maybe a theme of the week and maybe a theme of every week in the championship is rather dire officiating ah yeah which um spoiler alert will be a bit of a theme of uh our review of <laughs> yesterday's game as well uh, i know i'm sorry that i've just absolutely just blazed a segue um <laughs> I blazed the segue over. I blazed the segue over the bar, much like Adam Reach did um, at the final point, where Murphy did an excellent pullback, and then the man you had put your house on to get it on target at least just, just uh, sent it into the far reaches of the KCON Stadium. Absolutely did. I, the ben, I mean, I think to your credit, you also did the artful Murphy bit. So you know, the Lord giveth and He taketh away. You know, the big talking points really from the midweek game were obviously the the, the penalty that we should have had and didn't get but also losing Stephen Fletcher for that game had had a pretty detrimental effect on on how we set up um it just shows how reliant we are on his particular set of skills um like Liam Neeson in Taken, right, Liam Neeson taken I was gonna say that's for you yeah. Doing, yeah 
If the ball is in the air, he will find it. <laughs> <laughs> and he will either... It kind of loses his um, momentum when he says, I will kill you by either, dis- by either spraying you to a colleague, <laughs> to one of my esteemed Wednesday colleagues, or putting it in the back of the net. I will find you. I will chest you down. <laughs> I will spray you out wide and then take my sweet ass time getting back in the box. <laughs> I, I, I'm looking forward to Stephen Fletcher's limited action career when he retires. Stephen Fletcher in It's Been Took. <laughs> they done took it. <laughs> Mechty me, they've taken it away. <laughs> Jennings Clevens, help my ball. <laughs> That's the sequel. <laughs> and just to really, uh, you know, just to show that the, the the stakes aren't really that high, is it? Is it a bag of Granny Sukas? <laughs> Wonder if the crack team, the expendables of Week and Fat Bob. Uh, <laughs> Week would be yeah. Barry Bannon, obviously. Oh, of course. As played oh, by he was Barry born to play. <laughs> So yeah, oh. I'm looking forward to his uh, Sean Connery like uh, presence. <laughs> oh, Le- League of unextraordinary gentlemen, perhaps. <laughs> League of championship gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh look, it's Johnny Russell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's my good friend are... Charlie Mulgrew. <laughs> Oh, superb. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, to, 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 to uh, you know, unfortunately bring us back onto the uh, the drab uh, whole affair. This sort of game is kind of a feature of the championship as well, in that it's just sort of, you know, kind of two heavyweights in the final round, limply pouring at each other and uh, <laughs> hugging and uh, not, not much happening. Not much of, no real quality. A lot of repressed hugging isn't there yes a lot of that because it could have gone either way it could have easily been a nil-nil draw a ve- uh, yeah a very sort of stereotypical midweek championship game i would say hutch picked up his fifth yellow of the season mm. which meant that he wasn't able to start the game uh, on saturday uh, it meant he had to serve commentary duty um, he, did, he did so th- as a sort of segue in, how how was the the Hutchinson experience on iFollow? So, so as far, I was going to leave this for later, but we're oh, getting into things now. We're ripping along at a real speed. Yes. Um, much much like the game against Hull wasn't. <laughs> um, so Hutch's commentary, as I've said, was both telling and anodyne at the same time. Oh. So it was kind of like you're like, oh, this is interesting, and then you're like, no, it isn't actually. It's just basically <laughs> kind of telling us what we think we know already. To be honest. <laughs> Kind of a bit like, you know, I don't know, some of the, I can't remember, there wasn't even anything that I think that, oh, that was really interesting, I'll write that down. From the, uh, from the dressing room. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a bit like, was it, maybe the most interesting stuff was like, well, you know, the fans don't really see what you've been told to do in your game. Yeah. Did you, did um, that, did that did comment you think that, that Gary Hooper still, is still a man without a club? Apparently yes. Bristol City 
were talking to him. Okay. But that was some information that was new to me. But I don't know whether that was. Just... Yeah, that's no, yeah, that's a bit of bit of extra. That's a little bit of extra, possibly. I don't know. So yeah, it wasn't particularly, but it's probably better than I don't know. I was almost weirdly looking forward to because uh, it was originally it was supposed to be Giles Coke. Yeah. Um, but then as we said, he probably got injured for that one. <laughs> so probably sprained his vocal cords. He may well have just been on the, the broadcast, but you just didn't notice him because after his first couple of appearances for Wednesday, he was very hard to notice in a Wednesday shirt. So he may may well have just followed up that, that level of performance. Yeah, it, it would have been interesting just to just to yeah hear a little bit from Giles Coke, hear, hear how he's doing, what, what life is doing for him now. Because <laughs> I understand he's with Oldham, but he's played four times last season. So I imagine he's probably got a serious injury or... Not fancied, one of those two yeah. things. You would have thought that if he hadn't played, he probably would have been injured, I guess. Yeah, he was a pretty permanently injured guy, wasn't he? Yeah. I was thinking, because there was the, um, this is a complete sidetrack, sorry, but um, there was the uh, Paul Corey interview that was kind of doing the rounds about how mm. how miserable his time was on Wednesday. But it, it did remind me of that really odd period where Dave Jones, he brought back Giles Coke from a loan and maybe Prutton was on loan somewhere and came back as well or just came back into the team and he kind of like built his midfield around these two it was like the expendables you know like these two guys that nobody really wanted anywhere and um, he kind of rebuilt a midfield around them and it kind of weirdly worked at least Mm, I remember that there was a brief kind of Prutton renaissance yeah yeah Prutton and Coke and you just thought what on earth are these two characters doing on the uh on the team sheet it's a kind of sort of maybe worked <laughs> so in terms of the, the game uh yesterday there was a few changes in the middle of the the park uh so Fle- well and fletcher was back which was good good to see that's heart that was heartening news after the midweek game but the real changes were, were in midfield where we saw oh. hello fessi making his his first league appearance of the uh, season and Luongo, Massimo, Action Mass, getting his first start in the league as well. What did you think when you saw the, the team sheet come through? So, um, <clears throat> typical for the week of me missing, missing me out, I kind of got up a little bit late, so I missed like the first eight minutes. So I kind of got on, and then I kind of checked uh, the lineup. Okay. And then obviously I, I didn't, I think I'd often missed the, the substitution in commentary lineup that meant that... Uh, you know, Giles Coke wasn't there and Hutchinson was. Oh, yeah, so you're a bit... So there was a different uh, Southern Brogue, and that was Hutch. So, uh, you know, I kind of got into it, and I'm like, well, who's playing? Because I guess that's the interesting thing. We talk about Hutchinson's probably one of the ones who we can maybe... If we're getting a little bit close to what that first 11 is, which maybe I feel like we don't really know, and I'm not sure if Gary Monk fully knows right mm-hmm. now honest we're wondering if hutchinson's the one you take out and then you put luongo in but then it's like okay so i was there thinking okay luongo bannon and then i'm kind of struggling i'm like did we go you know do we go with lee um yeah. so then i saw that uh we little joey p um, little joey rich's uh rich's uh defended favorite yeah well established got a soft spot for little joey hmm. um I, I just i love a well-maintained uh thigh and that guy's bringing two of those to the party <laughs> <laughs> Too big hunks a hunk. Um, <laughs> Do you think the John Claude Van Damme in our League of Championship gentlemen? Oh yes, absolutely. He's bringing all of that to the party. I think he could do splits across uh, two stools. Absolutely, yes. Um, <laughs> 
but it was intriguing. It was a bit of an interesting sort of change to the middle. Last week, we were advocating that we do look a bit tired in the middle, I think. Uh, there's not much pace. Obviously, Bannon's quick, but I don't think Lee is as quick as he was pre-injury problems. And I don't think Hutchinson's particularly uh, got much pace either. Um, he works very hard and, and, and obviously throws himself around, but he's not he's not winning many leg races to things. And I think, yeah, the general sort of vibe was maybe maybe we're maybe we do look a bit kind of leggy and tired in in the middle there so it was nice to see some new faces trying something else the back five was the same so uh Adebayo continued at right back I offer and Borna or Burner were the uh the two at center back and Palmer at left back uh, with Westwood in goal and then we weren't sure with the the lineup whether Reach was going to push up alongside Fletcher and maybe we'd do something one of the midfield people would be on a wing uh, but it ended up being that Harris was was on the left Reach on the right and, and Fletcher through the through the center so um so when did you when did you manage to join the game? What sort of period? It was the eighth minute mark. Oh, okay. So you didn't miss a huge amount. No. Uh, Though actually near the end of the game, I did let the um the stream run, and then I I jumped back to the beginning to see what I missed. And I mean, there were a couple of chances in the the first opening. Yeah, that was nice. Minutes. So I think the the things I I really noticed. Yeah, before we kind of go through the the events of the game, the things I really noticed was. Definitely, Bannon is much further forward in 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 this formation than he's been previously, mm. and we saw some really nice bits of that. So the there was a chance, probably the first chance of the game was sort of three four minutes in when Bannon played Harris down the wing in, in behind the fullback. He cut it back for Luongo to 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 have a a decent effort on his weaker foot. I mean, it was never really going to go in, but the, it was close enough that the keeper felt the need to to dive for it. The triangles, I think, were a bit of a feature of the way we were playing because we they, we had triangles on the right-hand side where Luongo was was teaming up with Odebadjo and, and Reach, and we had triangles on the opposite side where Bannon was joining up with Palmer and uh, Harris. Both sides to, to pretty good effect as well, I, I would say. I just wanted to bring up on who scored. I'll try to bring up the... So I think I saw like a weird one, which was, um, I think it was on Flash Score, because I brought the, you know, I brought the lineup up on Flash Score. Yeah. And they were seemingly saying like a 4 2 3 1. But I think it was definitely who scored and have it as that Pelopesi, like a 4 1 4 1. Yes, much so more than Joey P. One, I would say. Joey P screening the back four in that holding defect DM, CDM role. And then allowing further up the pitch. At times he looked like a third centre-back. He was really deep. But then we figured out after a short period of time, really his job was to sit on Windass. He just followed Josh Windass all around the pitch. And Windass was not in the game at all as a result of that. He was really disciplined, uh, Pelu Pessi. Really stuck to his task well. Adebayo got yellow-carded in an incident with Windass, but um, which unbelievably, despite the fact he sort of shoved Odebajo in the back of the head, the ref didn't even t- talk to uh, Windass afterwards. Um, but uh, but I think part of that frustration that he was taking out on, on uh, Odebajo was that he just couldn't get into the game. He'd had such a tough time doing anything. Um, and that was all thanks to, to the work that Pelu Percy was doing. Um, I'd, I, I I mean, I've, we've sort of touched on that. I, I, I am a, a fan of what he can do. I don't by any means think he should be a starter, but I, I like Pelu Percy being part of our squad. I think he's got, there's going to be games where he's he can play, do a role, a job for us. And yesterday was a kind of prime example of that because 
I thought he stuck to his task brilliantly and screened the defence really, really well. Um, and there was a couple of times he he read the pass before the player even started playing the pass because <laughs> you could just see where the spaces were and he was filling that gap before before the ball even went there. There was there was one in the in the um, in the first half that he just read wonderfully. Um, so I mean he did have his usual uh, bit of uh, the phrase you've you've coined negative playmaking. Um, right. He did a little bit of that. Uh, which unfortunately is a, a bit of a feature of his uh, his game, but I was I really thought he did a good job, and if I was I, that's why I was intrigued a little bit by Sam Hutchinson on the commentary because watching that I think he should be thinking mm, let's, I might struggle to get straight back in this midfield because I thought the midfield as a whole looked pretty good they looked bright uh, we were on the front foot a lot more than we've been in previous games. And just in terms of sticking to that task, uh, I thought Pelu Pessi did a really good job and was very sort of tactically disciplined in a way that you just, I don't think Hutch does that very well. He's always got to go and have a little run where he charges around after the ball. He's got to kind of take his frustration out somewhere. Um, whereas Pelu Pessi was able to stick to the task he was given. Um, and I think that the shape of the team and, and the defence was was better for it. Uh, so did you feel... One thing I kind of noticed a lot, especially, do you feel that having like a player in that holding defense role, putting that back for like Pelopessi's doing, do you think it naturally gives, do you think they've been told to give a liberty for a player like Berner to get forward as much as he does? It helped him. Really going on some real marauding run. Which led to the goal, obviously. His, um, that was, that just Berner just kind of getting fed up and charging up the pitch and causing some chaos um, so how much how much do you think of that is by uh being told to do that or how much of that do you think is the free will the free will of julian burner oh this is a big discussion does, well, julian, I'm just wondering, does, does julian burner have free will a lot and i you know it wasn't being I, I was wondering maybe later in the game i'm like could this be something that undoes us at some point or maybe we're just not used to seeing you know, a player like a centre-back just getting forward so so quickly and so often. I suppose you... Were you... Because you, you had a... Um... A period of, of abstaining from uh from the Wednesday. Did did that mean you missed Majid Bouguera's um I unfortunately did miss out on that right, that's yes. a classic bit of um one of the, you know, real peanuts in the turf <laughs> 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 one of the classic bits. I just have different <laughs> ones like you know, I have different ones like talking about remember remember Akpo Sodje scoring yeah. two goals in um the first fifteen minutes against Burnley and then pulling up an interview and then never seeing again yes yeah yeah um well i mean i i don't feel as worried when Berner does it i think he picks his moments better but i do yeah i think the discipline of pelipesi meaning that he will drop in and fill the gap helps i also think the pace of iortha as a recovery is a massive assistance in that so i think that's freed Berner up mm. because if he gets caught out I offer is genuinely quick enough to kind of be the lead defender in that he goes up for the ball and then also sweep up after himself if he misses the header. He's so fast um, and so and so kind of rangy and gangly. He can kind of, yeah, as I say, sweep up after his own misses or mistakes. Um, and that's 
quite seems to be quite freeing for Burner. But hey, it's an interesting combination. The fact he's doing it and doing it so effectively means it must be part of his game. So presumably it's something he's done before. He looks like he enjoys doing it. Uh, yeah, and as Hutchinson so, said on the commentary, you know, he's, he's from uh, Germany. They're cultured. They do stuff like that. <laughs> Look at him. That's a gripping sort of insight, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> one of the things that was interesting, actually, one of the things that was interesting was that Hutchinson did say that when, you know, Joey was scre- in that role screening the yeah. defense and was saying, that's the role I'd like to do. I see myself more as a defender than a midfielder. Right. I think we, we kind of think about how about... Because Hutchinson doesn't, you know, we talk about this um, this this weird Gerard Lampard situation we get with Bannon and Hutchinson. Yeah. I yeah. had them previously. <laughs> to train them away from it, like you know, like like we're training dogs, I guess. Uh, <laughs> some kind of Pavlovian conditioning that we're doing on Bannon and Hutchinson. But the fact that they often so are on each other's heels and both looking to do the same thing when they're both being in the same position. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. That's interesting because it makes me think... That is intriguing. About what is the tendency for both players to think, oh, I, I, really, I work great, you know, I feel comfortable being in that holding role for different reasons. Hutchinson's probably there just being like, I'm protecting the back four. Yeah. I think Bannon's mentality of being, I can be the, um, you know, the deep-lying quarterback QB. playmaker, the QB. The CBQB role. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting because I, yeah, I'd always kind of thought they both want to do the same thing when they're there. But that, yeah, that comment sort of makes you think that maybe, as you say, Hutch wants to be there just to kind of be a third centre back. Um, whereas definitely from Bannon, he does not want to be a third centre back. He wants space to look up and pick a pass, mm. and that's one of the places to try and find some um, rather than a congested area in midfield. But in this Monk is definitely asking Bannon to try and find spaces further up the pitch between the lines and 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 pick passes there, um, which I think he's doing quite a good job of. Uh, he could get better. I think it's going to be intriguing. Now we've got to the uh, the international break. It's going to be intriguing to see Monk has, has several times now said, you know, we're working on shape and we're working on defending, um, but we've not really had a chance to talk tactics offensively so he's he said in the uh, the lead up to uh, the game at the weekend that that's one of the things he's looking forward to the international break for is to is to do some of this work so it will be interesting to see if we if we see changes in the way that we sort of shape up going forward if we see changes in the way we play yeah. uh, previously you talked about how how long we've gone in in uh, in in the build up to Yes. Attacking. What did you think? To, I thought today we played a lot more football, but I, I don't know how, how did that feel for you? No, I did. I, well, that was the interesting thing was that the, the first half I was like, well, it's not been scintillating, but you know, kind of see it just felt like a bit of a battle between both teams yeah um but not in like a real you know not without any kind of elements of you know interest or flair or play you know because those were present i would say that's probably um, a fair comment you know there was a bit of playing there was a fair bit of playing around on the deck there were some nice moves you know you could definitely see a lot of you know you're talking a lot about the triangles yeah um, which was interesting, especially when you look at that kind of midfield, that naturally you kind of, just in terms of positioning, you think about triangles, but then it's good to see those players are making options for each other and just, you know, trying to pass it around kind of on a small level. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was. It felt like a progression in the way we were playing, and and a lot of times it was fairly attractive when we when we were sort of playing nice, quick passes. Um, reminded me sometimes of the way I think Carlos, uh, you know, nice periods of play under Carlos were often that quick exchange of passes. Um, so it's it was nice to see some of that that in the play. But I think you're probably right. By and large, the first half was pretty um, pretty low in terms of the the quality that was available. The the best chance early on went went to Wigan. Um, had that cross that sort of came off Berners, um calf and then went to their number 11 who is Massey. Um, A player who I think we were linked with previously as well. I remember, I did, I knew I recognised the name, so... Um, Him alongside Morsi, another player who we've we've yeah. seemingly admired over the... Um, we've been you know, over the transfer window. Because he was yeah. at Chesterfield, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Chesterfield, Hull and Wigan, I think, a career progression. Yeah. No, we've yeah, we've definitely been linked with him a couple of different times. But he had a, a really pretty tame shot uh, that Westwood... It came through a crowd of players and uh, Westwood sort of watched it onto his onto his left foot <laughs> and it, it went back out again for uh, for another chance um and burner put his tremendous big german chest in the way of the ball um and stopped a, a sure a sure goal from happening and celebrated with the with all the passion of a goal scorer <laughs> have you seen the brilliant um sort of video or, or gif that's going around of his uh i have yes i yeah oh. i I know exactly what you mean. Big and we talked about it before. Grin. It's very much he's uh, he's done this before. He's done a few fist pumps. And, uh, yeah, we talked about his, um, his joie de vivre in celebrating such things. Yeah, he just uh, he loves defending. Oh, interesting. That. So just um, watching that, that, that chance back, that was the only time I think one Windass got free of Pelupesi. Because I don't think he got the ball after that. But Windass put the initial ball in, having got... got uh, past Pelopesi. Uh but it, I mean, it was a great block. Um, no question of a handball. It was right in the middle of his chest, uh, and then yeah, walks away, fist pumping and and a big cheesy grin on his face. What a dude! Uh, <laughs> so that was an initial. That was an initial sort of scare, and I think probably it was against the run of play because we'd had a couple of half chances before that. Um, again, I thought Reach was really bright first half. He was he was uh, involved in things. Uh, Fletcher had a decent had a couple of decent chances. Didn't make much of them, but I think they were. To be fair to him, they were they were like half chances rather than uh, than uh, full blown. You know, you simply must score uh, type efforts. Um, and then it kind of things kind of petered out towards half time. Uh, what did you think about the? Um, do you remember? Well, Bannon uh, struck the woodwork. He did. That was a that was nearly a very, bit of uh, nearly a bit of Bannon magic. Yeah, it was a really good shot. And it was one of those where the keeper was just watching it, you know. He didn't even pretend to try and uh, save it. Uh, not and not through the fact that he thought he was it was going wide either. It was just that he uh, he knew he had no chance of having any effect on the ball. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I, I so the, we had several chances in that in that little flurry after after Bannon hit hit the bar. 
or hit the post. Uh, but then that was that was it really for the half. Um, and after that period, you'd come away. It's one of those where you start to wonder: Is this again going to not be our get our day? Because we had several chances in addition to all the half chances. I think we'd been much mm. the better team in the first half, but we had nothing to show for it. Do you um, recall um, just prior to the to the Bannon hit was um, there was a chance with uh, Harris popped up, uh, stood up a nice cross and um fletcher did not um took his chance and sliced it rather magnificently to the point where initially when i was watching it live as it was happening i thought oh that's just been well blocked and it's just like much like the chance was it last week with uh, the great save i thought westwood pulled off but no actually it was just really poor hit from a samba longer last week (laughs) yes 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 yeah yeah um it's uh Oh, with Fletch, that is unfortunately that's the that's the reason he's playing for us and not um, <laughs> not at, at the very least a mid-table Premier League team. <laughs> he's got so much to his game, but uh, yeah, his finishing does leave a bit to be desired, unfortunately. Uh, so, kind of halftime came and went, no changes from uh, from either side. Uh, we then. Well, the, the the next the major incident at the start of the the second half really was was our goal. Uh, so th- th- there was a bit of negative playmaking as we talked about from Belly Pessy. Uh, bizarrely, in the middle of quite a busy midfield, tried to sort of put his foot on the ball and roll it forward back to Bannon, even though there was two or three Wigan players very much in attendance. Um, Burner picked up the the ball from that tackle and then just decided he was having it. <laughs> <laughs> um danced through a couple of tackles fed it off to to Pelipesi that plays it through to uh to Bannon um Harris puts in another good ball he 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 put in a lot of good quality uh, crosses um didn't manage to reach Fletcher with it but but reach recycled and uh, Luongo from the edge of the box just popped it in the top corner easy as you like just put his uh, bonza and tip it in laces through it <laughs> he, he was drinking in the amber nectar of that chance I'll tell you that much <laughs> excellent dated reference there Reg <laughs> I think that's just because you've been in North America they still advertise here <laughs> do they really oh Foster's is in full effect but Castleman Forex has gone to the has gone <laughs> I think so. I think so. That was definitely one of those beers that gave you a headache from, uh, you know, from all the window cleaner or whatever they put in there. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Australian beers, I'm sure um, Longo will be toasting that with a uh, with a lukewarm Foster's. Oh, that's right. Oh, or a, a, a VB. That's another one, isn't it? That's yes, that's the one they love. Yeah. Yes, the one they love that isn't exported. Yes, yeah. a lovely little little bottle of uh, a tinny. Um, <laughs> it's it, it, it's going to be wall to wall Kylie Minogue this evening. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll stop with this. But um, but so that was uh, not not far off the hour mark. Luongo, who'd had a, I think had a very good game to that point. I uh, thought he had a very good game as well. I I was interesting. I did see some comments on. Um, I see some comments on Twitter say he'd been having a bad game by I think it was whoever's on the Twitter for Alz Americas. Okay. Uh, saying he had was having a bad game, overhitting and mishitting passes. I thought he was doing pretty well. 
I thought he had a, yeah, I thought he'd had a good game. I think that him and Bannon are but were both trying to make things happen, which does mean that there's there's more mis- you know more mistakes come with that because you're taking the risks. Um, he he wasn't having a kind of hundred percent pass completion day, but I think that was nearly always because he was trying to push the ball in behind people and and make things happen, try and try and encourage you know forward play rather than uh, just simply holding on to possession. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought he'd had a good game. He's He loves to tackle. That's quite nice. Um, but he is quite creative. He's got a bit of a turn of pace. He's He, he gets around well. Um, that's the, I think overall, him and Pelu Pessi bring energy to the midfield that mm. I just don't know whether whether Kieran Lee still has that in his game. I I think Hutch does to an extent. Yeah. But I do think he I think Hutch fades at the hour mark as well, which can uh yeah lead to problems for us but it just overall it felt like the midfield played on the front foot so whether that's that they're not told to normally and today they were told to uh or whether it was the personnel that were in there it just felt like we were actually influencing the game throughout an interesting trade-off in terms of um i'll I'll probably say meso with leon longo um though I, i would say longo is probably a much better player than kieran lee not much better he's a better player at this point in time, I, I I would agree, yeah. At this point in time. So you kind of wonder about the similar thing about Hutchinson against um, Pelopesi. I mean, Pelopesi is a younger man than Hutchinson is. Yes. And obviously probably hasn't had his history of injuries and limitations, his bodily limitations. They're two very different players, in a sense. They are. But then, but- effectively, you're trading off against a player who's so, you know, in Hutchinson, it's probably a lot more kind of cultured and yeah. a lot more composed. And this is a player who was, I mean, at Chelsea, he was primed to be the next replacement for John Terry. Yes, at one point. So you're probably talking about a player with a lot more kind of skills. Absolutely. And a lot more kind of... It was interesting. So so I've been saying that basically <laughs> Savage's commentary was a bit dull. Um, bless yeah. him. But I, I still I, I still really enjoyed hearing his um, lovely cockney chops around, uh, stumble around some words and some sentences. It was, pretty, it was fun. <laughs> were there so any players... About, like they were talking about, you know, talking about Kieran Lee uh, and Hutchinson was saying you can tell the players that have come from, you know, prominent academies. Yeah. You know, Kieran Lee was Manchester United. Yes. Um, I wonder probably in himself. I think that Hutchinson is a man who I feel is very confident in his own abilities, but also very charmingly humble at the same time. So yeah. obviously he's the one making that point, so he wouldn't bring himself into that. But by by association, he sort of is at the same time. <laughs> exactly. So you could yeah. probably see the fact that, like, the similar thing deal with him, that, you know, yes, he spent so much time with Chelsea. I think he's probably been at Chelsea since he was, like, in his early teens. Is that correct? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I would think so. That sounds, that sounds believable. <laughs> If it's false, it sounds it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so yeah, so you you think about that that trade off just to kind of draw a line under that was you know do you trade do you trade off someone who has the qualities of Pelopesi, which is the man has industry and enthusiasm, but probably a bit limited in some of his footballing skills against Hutchinson, who has a lot more kind of composure and and um, you know kind of a little bit of class in himself, but just his legs are tired and will fade for our game as well. I think it's good to I I I suppose what I hope is the outcome of yesterday is that we mix them up a bit because um, Hutch has played every single game 
uh, every single league game uh, to this point. Uh, Which is phenomenal going on his injury record. Oh, it's, tr- it's tremendous. Uh, but I do think it's also led to maybe him looking a little bit kind of burnt out, possibly. Not not sort of permanently or dramatically to any extent, but just he's played a lot of football and a lot more football than he's used to playing, um, which has been a benefit to the team, absolutely. But also, you know, it means we're in a position where we've probably got to manage him a bit uh, with his with his various injury troubles and, and uh, the fact that he is he's 30 years old now. Um, so the fact that Pelupesi can occasionally come in, sub in for him in games, um, maybe start the odd game instead of him when, when it makes sense tactically. I think that's just a nice th- a nice addition to have and, and maybe something we weren't sure about previously. I'm not I'm not sort of wholesale calling for let's drop Sam Hutchinson and play Joey Pelupesi because I think that's a bad decision on, on the whole. Um, but, but sometimes... It's it's going to be better to play uh play have that freshness of uh, of, of Joey. Um, do you want to know when uh, Hutch joined the Chelsea academy? I would like that very much. Yes, please. Gone on Wikipedia, and there's no higher authority than Wikipedia. Um, age of nine, nine there years. There we go. Oh, he's a little boy. He's still got his very coiffed um towy haircut. <laughs> we little we little Sam Hutchinson. Um, full of hopes and dreams. <laughs> Exactly. He's, saying, he's even saying he's so intelligent that he's saying I'm going to be the next John Terry, and they're saying John Terry hasn't even at this point, um, who's John as Terry? far as we're aware, been <laughs> um, been a stalwart of the uh, Chelsea team. So we don't know what you're talking about, Sam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, imagine if he still had the uh, the sort of pompadour uh, quiff. Yes. At yes. age, age nine. Oh, that's a that's a that's a great image to leave us. That's a great image, isn't it? <laughs> um, one of the one of the fun things with um, each fresh release of FIFA, uh, and if if Sam is the sort of person that plays FIFA himself, I imagine this will either be um, sort of depressing or, or funny, depending on 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 his outlook on these things. But um, the, Sam Hutchinson is one of the few Wednesday players who has what FIFA calls a game face. So that is a properly matched picture of his full face um but because they only do that for premier league players or, or top league players sam's game face is looks about 19 and um a, a bit like sort of dorian gray as sam hutchinson gets older his game face his never his ageless um baby game face uh, seems is it's just in starker and starker contrast with the reality of the man it's just quite quite an enjoyable thing to check in on a, on an annual basis just this little boy sam hutchinson playing midfield for sheffield wednesday <laughs> Just, uh, just a young chap. So, well, I mean, it's it's been a really interesting question that, and we know that we're still in a very, we're hopefully in the real, um, the real end of this transition period. I was going to use the term <laughs> fag end, but um, I don't really like that term. <laughs> I think we know what it means. Um, of this transition from the the Wednesday kind of Wembley play a final against Hull, funnily mm. enough, uh, team. And that there's a lot of those darlings that are simply just the, you know, it's there's some really old pieces of fruit. We can't really get much uh, juice out of these, um, out of these tepid, dry, um, scarred oranges. There's a there's a reason there's no raisin juice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> 
As they always say. As they always say. So Hutchinson's, well, Hutchinson's been with the club since 2014. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued. His contract, I think, comes up at the end of this season, I believe. I believe so, too. Yeah, because he, he wasn't one of the ones that was um, up for renewal in the summer, although a lot of people seem to think he was. <sighs> yeah. I think we've just got to see how the season goes with him. Um, I guess so. I guess so. We're just um, we're just enjoying that raisin juice as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. You've just got to. Um, the juice of the wine bottle. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> Fortified. Um, so the one of the, so Wigan um, in in the in the build up to the game, uh, Gary Monk talked about how how good Wigan are from set pieces. Um, I think to be honest, we didn't really see much of that. Uh, Mulgrew takes it seems all of their set pieces Charlie Mulgrew uh but we did we gave away a lot of free kicks in this game in and in and around well not in the box around the box in and in and around our final third yes and that gave Mulgrew lots and lots of chances to put the ball in Uh, not just the words of Richard Miller the words of whoscored.com as well who've also made this weakness and now uh but anyway sorry carry on rich no that's okay no it's good it's good to know i'm backed up by the stats um but genuinely uh the best ball he played of of the whole game um i did say to my 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 surrounding uh folks who bear the brunt of an awful lot of nonsense chatter from me during a football match um i said he's gonna get one of these right at some point because we keep giving him chances to and um lo and behold <laughs> around the it was in the 69th minute um mm. he dropped an absolute perler onto their new uh newly brought on massive center uh, center forward more um and he got a good header on it he, he lost borna pretty much or burner uh, in terms of uh his marker uh but it was a great save from westwood saved it onto the bar uh mm. that was, i think that really that was their best maybe their only chance of the second half i don't remember them doing much that was pretty much it because i mean when i'm kind of looking at westwood that was the only stuff that was the only stuff he had to do uh Kiefer moore who is six foot five yeah big boy he, he moved around pretty well it's maybe a bit of a surprise that he didn't start uh but well, that yeah. seemed to definitely be the tactic was basically just put some height on basically yeah so that was how um, friend of the podcast Lee Cook was looking to get some points from this game. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we almost had the chance to make it very comfortable uh, Wednesday at the kind of 75 minute mark, which is another controversial moment. Um, Palmer puts in an absolute peach of a cross, uh, but no Wednesday player was in a good position to to take it, take up the opportunity he'd given them. Uh, but the ball dropped to Adam Reach, who hit a pretty fine volley uh which was which was again blocked out and then Stephen Fletcher poked home the deflection off the goalkeeper but unfortunately the uh the joy was short-lived uh because he was judged to be offside it's one that's quite hard to tell there was a kind of there was a picture going around online to say that to show that Fletcher was was onside um I, I think it is quite watching the video back it's quite hard to tell where Fletcher was quite in relation to the the defender but it's very, very tight. The linesman should have had a good view of it, although you have to think from the linesman's perspective, he would have seen Stephen Fletcher, but maybe not seen any Wigan players, which 
makes it hard for him to judge. And I thought we were supposed to give benefit of the doubt to the attacking team when there was when there was doubt, but it, it doesn't ever really seem to be the case for, for Wednesday. Uh, anyway. I thought uh, it was a very harsh decision and, and one that I thought was I thought it was onside. I thought it was I thought it was pretty clearly onside. Yeah, I think. I wonder how much of a mess VAR would make of a lot of situations in the championship if it's uh, if it ever drops down. Some of the offside decisions with VAR they make me profoundly sad to be honest um you know giving what you have to remember what what is the offside rule there to do is it there to rule people offside if a hair is offside or yeah it's to stop people getting an unfair advantage from standing beyond <laughs> That's the whole point of that rule. <laughs> so when you see these videos of like millimeter, not even like micromillimeters, a knee is offside by a micromillimeter. What advantage has the player gained from having a micromillimeter of a knee offside? Yeah. None at all. They are literally in line. To the naked eye, these two players are perfectly in line. There is no advantage. They are both starting on an equal basis. But because we can... With VAR, because we can define, we, we can define the, because we can define the distance of a Nat Chuff, which um, X player is ahead of uh, you know X attacker is ahead of Y defender by a Nat Chuff. By a Nat Chuff, yes, and that Nat Chuff, I mean, that's worth a million bucks in terms of getting to the ball first. It, it's just silly. It. Mm. I think the that some of the rules we're we're getting. Um, I don't really remember ever being as aware of the fact that there's this kind of shadowy body in charge of the rules of football. But they seem it seems like every year they're making some tweak or change or um, <clears throat> adding prominence to this element or, or, or other. And a lot of those moves just don't seem to be for the benefit of the of the game. Uh, this one where the if the if the ball touches the referee, it then has to be a, a drop ball. We had one of those yesterday where yeah. we. The ball bounced off the referee to the player it was played to, and we had to stop. We ended up getting the goal kick, or get, we ended up going back to the goalkeeper. What yeah. is the point in that? No. He's not negatively affected the play at all. The, the no, he should have just said play on. I don't understand what the whole to-do with that was. Um, speaking of bizarre rule changes as well, so an interesting thing. So I've, I've come into the beginning of the podcast saying that's some saying some things that were a little bit dull. There were actually some some good. Uh, there were some good kernels of goodness okay. on this kind of um, conversation. So they were talking about the rather strange ruling that now players have to go off if they're the other side of the pitch yes, and they get substitutes. Yes, yes, yes. They have to walk around the pitch. And I thought it was hilarious when Fletcher went off. I felt like Fletcher was just, he might as well have been on a small model train, um, you know, kids model train, just pootering around the side of um, Hillsborough via, you know, the cop doing his little waves like the Queen to the to the fans in the cop and the South and the, the, um, the North and the South. It, it was just ridiculous. Yeah, so by the time, you know, the, the play went off and then the play went kind of back and the, the camera went back to a more central position, look, there's Stephen Fletcher still making his way around the pitch. <laughs> It was just nonsense. It's and the first time so I've Hutchinson was saying, one thing that Hutchinson, they were, they were talking, um, Rob O'Neill and Hutchinson were talking and saying, look, this is nonsense. Hutchinson said a nice thing, said away at Millwall, um, Neil Harris said to the Wednesday players, don't bother going around the outside. It's not going to be good for you. <laughs> come off the pitch. <laughs> oh, dear. So, I don't know, they kind of said that as a way of like, you know, it was nice. I'll murder you, mate. Mate, don't do it. Don't do don't it. Do it. It's not worth it for you, mate. 
Oh, they'll string you up, mate. Don't bother. Don't bother. <laughs> they'll, uh, Look at you with your lovely one, hair. One of their uh, jelly deal voo-voo sailors. <laughs> tell you what, when they whack out them voo-voo sailors, you with your lovely hair, oh my goodness, no. Doesn't bear thinking about, mate. Doesn't bear you'll thinking be, about. Uh, you'll be like one of them uh, trolls, troll dolls. Yeah. Oh, oh, my days. They'll spread you on toast like pate, mate. Do not bother. No, come <laughs> off with this idea. I'll protect you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just an absolute nonsense rule, basically. It's just, why why are these meddling? I don't well, know. I, it feels again, very much like we, we can fine-tune this beyond comprehension, basically. Well, it's it's a bit like the rule that they brought in, in uh, at uh, for the USA World Cup where an injured player has to go off, which was supposed to stop time-wasting. Time-wasting. But what it means is if you want to time-waste, you can now time-waste about 10 minutes if you want to because you go down, you roll around, you get treated on the pitch, then you've got to make your way off the pitch straight extremely slowly and the only penalty really is that you've got to wait maybe 10 seconds before the referee waves you back on Mm. it doesn't work and it's yeah this is another one that's supposed to stop people time wasting by taking ages to walk across because we're all familiar with uh the team that's that's you know dragging their heels and a player gets told you're about to get subbed off so get all the way over on the other side mate if we're going to um save a bit of time and we'll we'll name it and i think we should have a little a mini glossary but i don't think we're really in a glossary first we'll just for shorthand purposes call them a billy davis side billy davis side yeah yeah but so but the that's the first time I've seen the referee enforce it because every other game I've watched this season, players have just done what they've always done, including um, I'm trying to think who the uh, who the there was a QPR player that did the classic. He was on the left hand side. He ran all the way to the right hand side, then got subbed and walked very, very slowly on along the halfway line to, to, to be subbed off. And the ref didn't say anything about it and tell him he has to go off the nearest touchline. Um, it does. It does add a new. Um, type of etiquette to the game because I, I was <laughs> I was joking that we're gonna see comment you know that everybody's got their conspiracy theories about how people oh he didn't even clap today he just went straight down the tunnel oh he's he did this he did that that's gonna be there's gonna be loads of like conspiracy theory etiquette things about what play how players behave as they wander around the outside of the pitch he didn't even look at the pitch today actually his art's not in it I can just see it coming it's gonna happen. He barely clapped for half of the cop as he walked past slowly. Because <laughs> that was the, yeah, the, the sort of rhythm of it was with, with Reach set the tone. So, um, you know, he wandered, he wandered along a little bit, did a clap. The crowd did a clap. He kind of looked at the pitch short of briefly. The clapping died down. He walked a bit further, did a clap. The crowd did a clap. And he, he sort of had to do that all the way around. And the same thing happened with Fletcher. You know, his, his song sort of slowly walked around with him. Um, it's it's another weird rule. But I just... Can you remember a season when we spent so much time talking about the rule changes and the implications? The handball rule has been changed. The offside rule has been changed. All, all these things. And it's like, what? I don't know why we have to keep tweaking things 
and and getting them wrong to then to then sort things out later. I don't know. It's it is weird. It's it's a weird place that the game has got itself into. Um, and I, I I feel with VAR, half the people are moaning and just saying we shouldn't have it at all. But weirdly, there's another half of the moans are that we need more VAR or or VAR to be involved in more decisions, and that will make VAR better. That. Oh, unfortunately, that's going to be the, the the viewpoint that wins out. I I think the idea of VAR that I think I had, which I think a lot of people had, which I've seen a lot of places, was a mentality of having like an appeal system. Yeah, because like, I, I think I think the view the view of officiating is basically like from a lot of fans. Oh. What a ex bastard in black. Um, you know he has it in for us. He has it against us. Yes. So I don't think the officiating has been fair. I don't think it was fair yesterday. I don't think it was particularly great. A case in point: the end of the game, the last sort of flurry of activity. Oh, the handball. Oh, uh, I mean the, the Harris Harris tearing down the wing, catching them. Oh, you we know, should have had three the last the end their well. last attack. Number three shoves Harris. Harris somehow manages to stay on his feet. Number three shoves him again and he falls over and neither of those apparently are fouls. Uh, I just, I think what we suffer from at Hillsborough and maybe this is, I'm sure this is all clubs kind of talk a bit like this, but I I definitely felt it in League One. But it feels like to the assessors, the way you stand out refing a game at Hillsborough is you're not a homer. You do the exact opposite, and that's you being strong because you're not giving in to the crowd. Yeah. And what tends to happen is you then, like yesterday, genuinely felt like everything we did was a foul. Every little touch... um, and we got very few things given in our favour by by comparison. Mm. Um, I, I think I mean, Odebajo definitely, definitely deserved his yellow card. It was it was blatant, um, just pure, you know, purely a professional foul. He he didn't want Windass to get away from him, and he rugby tackled him. Um, yes. And when that when that didn't quite work, he sort of hung on to him again. But the fact then that Windass can sort of shove him in the face and then shove him in the back of the head and not even get talked to. It's sort of like a weird dual standard. I, I mean, yes, it's a foul. It's a bad thing to do to stop someone running. But we're also generally in the game, we penalise retribution higher than the original crime. That's kind of the established way of things is, yes, it's bad to do something in it to kind of affect the game, but it's even worse to then be the person that then goes and shoves someone or then goes and uh, put, you know squares up to someone. They're at least given equal billing if not punished more highly and nothing nothing happened to him and it was a very long time i think before morsey got his yellow card and he he kind of had fouled an awful lot um but harris just got kicked and shot burn just kicked and shoved him pushed him all over and there was nothing given very you know very rarely was anything given and it was nobody was given a card for it and he was getting very frustrated harris you don't we are i think one of the standout things about wednesday is we don't tend to talk to the referee that much apart from maybe bannon we're not one of these clubs that gets in the ref's face and talks talks to him but we don't have those characters do we we don't but harris genuinely it was like he was asking the question because it's like what literally what does he have to do for it to be <laughs> for it to be given a, you know to be given a, a yellow card because it just was time and time again um but there you go uh, th- again thankfully it didn't cost us we've, we've said that a fair few times um but the fact that we ended up with 15 fouls and they ended up with with almost half that I, it's pretty questionable I don't 
was uh, getting upset with referees quite as much until probably the pomp of the Carver Hell season. Yeah. That felt a very that felt packed with a lot of referee incidents like those times. Particularly Forestieri would seem to be a big part Forestieri, of Forestieri, there was the um the alleged dive when he was brought down. Was it a game against Hull, I think it was? And he was sent off. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, Preston as well, Preston away. He was given two yellow cards that so, day as well. Just to kind of come back, I think people wanted VAR to be a system like an appeal system so that there would be a bit of, you know, try and correct some of those situations. I mean, referees do an impeccably difficult job. I think it's just there doesn't seem to be any recourse or any bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. Everybody wants everybody wants the system to be fairer, you know? I just don't know what you do about it. And because I, I don't, there's not then, there's no talk about VAR in the championship. It would cost an awful lot of money. And there's just not that money in the, in the television rights of the, the championship. So, and the clubs won't want to pay for it. So... I don't know if it's that much more, you know, costly than it would usually be anyway. I don't... It was two sets of referees for a start. And there's like a Hawkeye-esque camera stuff all around, isn't there, as well? Because I think that's the... Oh. F- the the, ref- the offside decisions are done by the Hawkeyes, I think. And all right. It, yeah. But I don't want that to happen either. <laughs> I'd like VAR to die forever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a... It's felt like a, a familiar refrain almost every game this season. We've we've been saying the refs cost us, including midweek. That was that was a time when the ref cost us a, a penalty at least, if not a goal, um, and cost us a point because at that point in the game that would have been a big turning point. Chances are we would have got a draw out of that game at least, and maybe even one if we if we'd got the the penalty that we we should have had. Um, it's not the first time that's happened to to Murphy. It, I, I don't know whether he's got a reputation a bit like Forestieri, so the refs are sort of marking him harshly because, oh, he's a diver. I don't know, but that's that's two or three times now that he's won a penalty and not it's not been given. Mm. Um, so that brings us to the to the end of the game, pretty much. Do you have any sort of final thoughts, or do we want to get on to player ratings? Um, it's just disappointing with that decision. Like it, it felt like it should have been a comfortable win yesterday and it wasn't so it, it just feels a little bit it just is i mean it's at the end of the day it's three points it's in the history books um we add that to our tally we go we're now three points off the top it's 19 from 11 games which i think is the best start we've had over 11 games for the last kind of six seasons or so that's right so it's incredibly positive and yet you know the funny thing is we can look back and we can say whole you know, at this time last week, we were chatting for the last episode of the podcast, and I said, if we don't get four out of six, we'll be disappointed. And I think we have to kind of harshly be disappointed because we've had a very, very comfortable start to the championship season. Yeah. The only, who has been the biggest test? Fulham, possibly? Yeah, Fulham are the only team that we would pretty much expect to be right up there at the end of the season yeah and then we're away against Preston we're away against Preston which interestingly enough on the commentary um Rob O'Neill said to said to Hutchinson are there any places you don't like going he said away at Preston he said we always have a difficult time there yeah I would agree which was interesting to hear him kind of agree with something that I think we've seen as fans as well so that is depending on how well Preston do because Preston can be um, Preston can be a very very good side on their day they can also be a bit championship inconsistent as well uh, so that was a bit difficult one going away at Millwall was probably a little bit tough as well 
But outside of that, it's been pretty straightforward. We're home to QPR. QPR looked like they could be a decent side on their day. Millwall beat, yeah, Millwall beat Leeds uh, yesterday, didn't they, at the, at the mm. day? I know that's a weird kind of derby that's not a derby type game, but still. Um, the asshole derby. Yes, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Weirdly, there were some videos on social media of trouble with the police, and uh, I'm so surprised because they great guys, both not sets of, kind fans. of fans. Oh, not that kind of fan. They're like the Ryan, Ryan Shawcross of fans. <laughs> yes, exactly. I just so don't why they getting into trouble. Yeah, just to come so, back to this. Yeah. Um, I yeah, it, it's a weird one. It it feels like we're doing well, but it it feels like the real tests are yet to come. Back after the international break, I believe, without looking at the fixtures, it gets a lot. It's a lot more difficult. So we're doing really well. We're in eighth position. It's a great start, but still there's reservations. Being like, we haven't really been tested. We haven't seen anything which makes this Wednesday team think, you know, that we're going to be the thing we desire, which is a top six team. Um, I yeah. Don't, yeah. I. It's hard to judge because uh, yes, you, we've not played teams that are that that high up. But we've also, you know, I, I would expect it looks like Huddersfield is sort of turning things around. We talked about how good their squad was when we beat them. Mm. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Huddersfield are a top half team. Um, I think um, Luton is another one that they could end up basically anywhere between, you know, about 10th and relegation zone, just yeah. depending on how, how things go. Hull are a good championship team. They, uh, it's, um, again, they'll be sort of mid-table or thereabouts. I, I know we're sort of looking at it and going, they're all in the bottom half, but it's only 11 games in. And part of the reason they're in the bottom half is we beat them. So... I don't know. I think it's a bit hard to sort of judge now, like look at our first half of the season and go, oh, well, we've only beaten bad team because that's where they are now. Some of those will look, some of the losses will look bad because in retrospect, we should have done better because those teams end up lower than we than we thought. And yeah. some of the wins will look better because those teams will go higher than we thought. So I I don't know. I think I just think we've got to enjoy it for what it is rather than kind yeah. of trying deeply analyze where it stands in the spectrum of things the 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 main thing is we've played 11 games we've won more than half of them um Mm. and um so the next block of five before the international break gets it gets tough um we're away at Cardiff on a Friday night, pick for Sky. Um, home midweek game against Stoke. Who knows how that could be? I think Stoke have had a little bit of an upturn. I think they've changed things around a little bit, haven't they? I think the they've had... sacked midweek? Is that what's happened? I don't know if they've appointed a new one. But Nathan Jones gone. I thought so. Or did he say... I, I saw... I think I saw his news report, news report saying that he'd like, oh, he expected to be sacked or something like that. But maybe that was him. Or he'd understand if he was sacked. I'll have a little look. He's still there. Okay. So he was saying the culture is starting to turn, but I mean, obviously that that's something he's definitely going to say to try and protect his job yeah. as much as possible. What a brilliant... Also, if you look at it, there's an article for Nathan Jones, Stone City, City Manager's Culture Starting to Turn on BC Sport website. There's a brilliant um, little um, quadrich, quadrob, uh, you know, four pitch <laughs> yes. to one with like a series of reactions from Nathan Jones. So definitely can use that for his headshots if he's uh, going for any uh, acting roles afterwards. He's got a real range going on there. <laughs> from... Um, a bit of joy, surprise, urging his players on, being upset, and then the real pumping the badge triumph at the end as well. So the man's got a lot of range. Whether his Stoke City side does um, is still 
we're still seeing. They they won, I think, yesterday. So that was a good result for them. But um, a team who should be doing a lot better than they are, very much in the, the mentality of Huddersfield as well. So who knows what's going to happen in that one. Then we're at home to Leeds. Um, that's a nearly kickoff. Is that picked up guy? Yeah. Yeah, one of these horrendous Saturday 12.30 p.m. kickoffs, which translate to 5.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in um, the sunny beaches of Calgary, Alberta. Picking up. And, uh, away at Blackburn. Who knows what's going to happen there? I guess, yeah, there's a lot of... This is the championship. This is the beast of the teams we play. There's a lot of games that you can't really predict, and who knows who's going to turn up. And then before international break, we're home to Swansea City on the 9th of November. Mm. So that keeps us going from this um, So from this next international break until the next one. Yeah, I th- <laughs> you're, you're certainly right. The teams that we've got coming up look much more challenging than the teams that we have played so far. Um, although we're nearing the point where we've, by the time, by the end of that run, we're nearing the point where we've, we've almost sort of played um, everyone once. Um, so I, just, I, I expect that we can be a bit better. I think the losses, I think Preston, we were outplayed um, and QPR, we were outplayed, but both of those were under Bullen and it was clear that things were just not going right under Bullen at that stage. Um, we could have jumped a bit earlier and and maybe got got a manager uh, I, I think one of the things we said at the time was if it was going to be monk all along we possibly could have done that at any point in the uh, in the intervening period although i do think there was an element of trying to be fair to bullen and give him a chance to to make the job his own um whether we should have done that or not who knows <laughs> but i think starting where we started with the the selfishness of what Steve Bruce did and that sort of you know awful weird predicament it put us in we've had a good start to this season whether that whether that turns into a a middling continuation of the season I don't know but I also feel like having this international break to kind of catch our breath and 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 work on things and and spend more time as a team with the new the new manager um potentially it's a chance for him to get some of his backroom staff in and integrated I don't know whether that's a plan but it was certainly something that was talked about when Monk joined I I I there's a good chance that we will be a better team post-international break than we've been prior to the international break. So those bigger challenges, those tougher challenges, I feel like we should be in a better place for them. And, and who knows? It'd be interesting to see. I think by next international break, we'll know a lot more about what the season's going to be like. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, uh, it's going to be an interesting sort of few weeks after that because it's, they are, they're, they're all, they're all big teams, tough, tough sides. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So I like how you're saying that because, um, you know, with Munkenstein's monster, there could be some new parts that we could um, hack on. There could be some upgrades, <laughs> um, a little bit of polish for the bolts through the um, through the neck, possibly. Oh, yeah, I'd expect them some Brasso. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I wonder about also, I, I don't believe I've ever said this, but I was actually interested by um, the fact that I know obviously Munk has worked with James Beattie before. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, retired pig striker, James Beattie. Um, but I'm interested because apparently that's that's been a, a kind of concurrent theme within kind of Monk's sides, and he has improved strikers somewhat. That's interesting. Yeah. So B- do you think that's Beattie's influence that's done that? 
I'm wondering if so. Like, I'm wondering if you bring in someone as I don't know if we do we even have anybody as being a striking coach. Who who knows? We've had that same sort of ragtag ensemble for it just seems like forever. We've had that just sort of weird group of <laughs> shapeless, fame faceless men <laughs> just hanging, hanging around. It's kind of Bullen and Neil Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. Who I don't you know without being too critical, I just I wondered to a certain degree. I think we need we've definitely needed a few things in refreshing the squad which we have done is that we needed some players come in to give us some new ideas i guess since the last kind of year who can we look at and i'm looking at the starting lineup and we've got burner we've got iortha who joined in january mm. um Bajo, harris um even pelopesi's not that old i guess in that sense maybe a little bit older yeah. um but kind of almost in that frame and then luongo so we needed some freshness to the squad and i wonder if we need some freshness in the coaching as well May, may, we may well do, yeah. Well, I, I think to an extent, I think we have seen Fletcher look more... I think he's got in better goal-scoring areas since Monk came in, but that might just be a result of the team playing a bit better in general. Um, it's interesting case, to say with... Sorry, the, the work that you were saying that they were going to do over the international break on a more offensive nature. Yes, that's definitely... Especially interesting to say that after we've had a game away at Borough where we absolutely just... Uh, we filled our boots, basically. <laughs> We did, we did. Well, we're clearly working on set. So I wonder if I think set pieces are one of the things you can work on fairly easily as a as a manager. Um, and that was definitely there was some signals. So when Bannon was going to take corners, we noticed it in the first half. There were a couple of signals he was doing. So at one point he had both hands on his head and then reached, did that in the box as well. Um, there was another signal that he was doing something to do with like rubbing his belly or something. But it, like, so that was like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, hungry for the goal, lads. <laughs> I apologise for what that was. Jeez. That was good. I liked it. That was terrible. <laughs> um, you know, you your your um your closest um reference for a Scottish accent now is Mike Myers because you're you're a Canadian, so oh. you're not, you're not oh. to be expected oh. to do a good Scottish accent. Oh, jeez, that's bad. <laughs> Um, he, he, I think his Scottish accents in uh, in Austin Powers and Shrek are, are like the um, they're the equivalent of the Cockney accent of uh, Dick Van Dyke, but don't get don't get pilloried in quite the same way. Um, it's true. <laughs> anyway, um, I've completely lost my thread, but there you go. It's fun. You're talking about the signals, so the interesting thing. Yeah, the signals, the signals, Luke, the signals. The signals. Uh, <laughs> so what we've done, the first couple of corners were hung up at the back post. Um, clearly meant to be nodded back down then bannon was sort of touching his head and it felt like the next corner went in then to a much more standard position where the guy who gets on the end of it could just score from it um he then also did one to the that was sort of fizzed in at the near post so it feels like this we're working on those things and obviously that's part of the the offensive work um and a big part of what worked so well at Middlesbrough was was our set pieces and and getting the the right people on the end of them. So yeah, I think it's going to be intriguing to see how it goes. I think overall, just looking at t- you know taking stock at this international break, I think last on, on, under Bullen we were in a position where we we're sort of going, oh, this seems a, a sort of decent enough squad and should probably be doing a little bit better than it is. I f- I feel like under Monk we'll get the value out of the squad, but over time what we're going to learn is is whether he can to go back to our uh, previous analogy. I mean, what's an analogy if you don't absolutely beat it to death? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
to like kind it. of get the, get the juice from the raisins. You know, whether he can kind of produce some of those actually punching above our weight performances, take some of those bigger scalps, and that's going to be the difference between us finishing like 10th or where we sit now, 8th, and being a, being a top six team. And that's going to be the question with Monk, I think. I think we he will get the value out of the players that are there. I think I, I, I've been impressed so far with his his planning and his kind of horses for courses sort of chopping and changing. Um <laughs> Um, horses for courses has nothing to do with uh, owning fools and horses. Is that right? It's nothing to do with it. No, no. For some reason I've made the connection. I don't know why. Oh no, no. This is what I was hoping that we would have with. This is what we're happening with with uh, with Bullen, but as we know, there's Bullen berries and soon turn out. Exactly. Yeah. That berry juice was not a wine, you know. Oh no. <clears throat> Um, <laughs> not even fit for Neto. I think Horses for Courses is, is fairly sort of on the nose in that it's uh, from horse racing. So as a trainer, you would pick a horse that likes um, hard ground if you're on a place that's got, I don't know, uh, horse racing. I'm sorry. But like, if, if the going is soft, then you pick someone that likes someone. Soft, <laughs> that's, you, you often, as a trainer, talk about your horses like they're people. Um, it's one of the traits of the trait. <laughs> But yeah, you you sort of pick a horse that likes that running, that likes that going. So in terms of what what we're like yesterday, that midfield, knowing that that Wigan are are a kind of basically for want of a better word, they're a League One team. Wigan, they're they're sort of lump it forward, a lot of hard work and graft. So to play to win the game, to play your game against them, you've got to win the battle first. And so putting in together a midfield that's full of legs and running and tackling made sense yesterday but it maybe wouldn't in another game so i i we've seen you know he likes to chop and change things he likes to move things around and at the moment it doesn't feel like he does it for the sake of it because he could end up like like oh yeah we we always change things because it makes us look clever <laughs> um because you, you you can have that element with sort of rotation and things like that but at the moment it feels like it's purposeful um and we've seen some good results from it although i don't know quite what happened midweek in hull there's going to be games where it doesn't there's not an obvious you're trying to sort of work the um work this the statistics in your favor so where you line up positively with the opposition trying to trying to emphasize those elements of your your squad which we did brilliantly against Middlesbrough but there's not always going to be that obvious if we do x then they'll do y and that means we're going to win so it's not possible always but it seems to you know be paying attention and uh, and have that knack so we'll see We'll see. Um, so, in terms of yesterday's performance, uh, do we do we want to go through giving match ratings? Yeah, I've done them, which I thought okay. was, was interesting. Um, I thought it was interesting just because it's like I've I've probably been harsh about this win. Um, I just would have liked another goal. I think that would have just been a thing. Just really would have just. Yeah, I could I could sort of it. sense that it was a bit of an odd atmosphere yesterday. I could sense that's probably the takeaway. I haven't sort of indulged online, but I think you look at the fact we had eight chances from open play uh, eight shots from open play that's not that's pretty good going um we had chances we maybe should have taken better but but i also think sometimes one nils are you're clinging on for dear life and thank goodness we got out we escaped with the points yesterday wasn't that it was really comfortable after we scored we managed the game very very effectively um so i i do i know i know what you're saying and um, mm. 
I think maybe to an extent I agree. It wasn't a kind of gangbusters, tremendous game, but we did everything we needed to do and we did it with relative ease. And, and I kind of felt like if it had got more desperate later on in the game, we kind of had another gear to go to if if we needed to. Um, but we just we just didn't. Uh, Wigan just simply didn't present enough of a challenge to, to make us kind of go to those those areas um but anyway okay so kieran westwood so i guess it's the interesting thing is that i sound harsh and i sound like a disappointed i'm not disappointed with three points i'm happy with the win a hell of a lot better than a draw or you know coming into this and thinking one out of six or zero out of six even you know it's still a test and going as wigan um but still i I kind of look through the performance and i I don't think i've really given anything less than a 6.5 okay well, that's not. And um, I was wondering on the positive side, we start with Westwood. I've gone for a 7.5 with Westwood. I think I, I think I'd probably go for a. I think I'd probably go for a seven. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I, I think he was. I think you, it would have been a different performance if Borna hadn't or Berna hadn't bailed him out because that was a really shocking save, a bit like his one against Fulham. Um, I just. He, it, it just hit him and, and he didn't react really at all to it. It just sort of bounced off his left foot. And that meant it was a very easy second chance for them to take, uh, which would which went past him. He didn't get to the second chance. So not only did he not react to the shot, he didn't react to his kind of spill afterward. But but thankfully, Berner did. <laughs> and um, and therefore, we can just enjoy the fact that Westwood did make a great save in the second half. That was a mm. really tremendous um, save he made uh, from their 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 header um, that save onto the bar. Uh, I think I think he did all right kicking wise. I think he was fairly consistent today, which was quite good. So yeah, seven 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 and a half. That's that's all right by me. Yeah. Uh, Odubadja. Uh, the only thing I want to say with Westwood is just oh, want sorry. to say I, I think the clean the clean sheet would. Have, I, I'm wondering if it would improve his confidence a little bit more. I hope so. Because I, I think so. he just looked a touch shaky. Mm. So there were several times him and Odebajo, I It's hard to apportion blame, and obviously this is not the sort of thing that shows up on the highlights. But I think there were three occasions in the first half yes. where Odebajo was holding off his defender, wait, you know, imploring Westwood to get out, and eventually he got out and took the ball. But um, one of them really ended up. It was almost exactly like the Reading one in that kind of Odebajo had done the work holding. Uh, it probably would have been low off. And and Westwood took so long coming to do what he yes. needed to do that they all ended up like hitting each other. Um, and I think it would, like Westwood kind of was complaining that he'd hurt his ankle or something after that as well. But it... <laughs> Yeah, so I think you're right. I think he is struggling a little bit for for a bit of confidence, uh, which is odd because he's such a powerhouse confidence-wise normally. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully the clean sheet will will be a bit of a reset, and the fact that we get the the international break now um, that would be that would be nice if um, if he sort of he's able to pick things up a bit more. Good, yeah, good point. Um, so go on to the talking about Odebajo because that's our, our next player to look at. Mm. Um, I thought I gave him seven point five. I think he did very well. I think he had a good game. He's another one that he seems to come in for a, a fair bit of stick, mm. which obviously was I, I would say was deserved up to the Preston game. Mm-hmm. I think since he's come back in the side, he's been really good for us. I think he's been um, probably consistently probably. 
I'd probably hazard a guess and say he's probably been one of our best players consistently. I would agree. And he seems to be trying to get further forward and, and get more involved. So, uh, Which I really like. And I think I've said previously, you know, in some previous reviews of like the fact that he's getting down that wing, I think just means a lot. Cause I, I, it does. Cause he's, he's a player with a lot of pace and that's just going to make a lot of issues for teams. I think so. Regardless of whether I think maybe could as well be a little bit of a confidence issue. Or maybe not fully the player. He's not like... I mean, this is a player who we say, oh, he can play down the wing. But it's more of a Jeremy Halan playing down the wing. Yes, yeah. You know, more of like, let's use that pace further up the field because it's going to cause issues for teams. Rather than here's a player with a lot of guile and a lot of uh, flair who's going to create a lot of difficult... You know, who's going to make some positive playmaking. So he's not quite there... I would say, but the fact that he gets forward and you know and has some use of his pace really does a lot for us. I think. I think so too, and and I think over time, because Reach still seems to have a fairly um, open re- remit where it comes to you know he he's given the license to come inside sometimes, and but that's going to be I think over time now I can see that creating problems for the opposition in that the fullback is going to follow Reach into the middle and it's going to leave a nice wide gap, and if the winger is not paying attention it's going to give Odebajo some chances down that right hand side um yeah I think I'm I'm quite hopeful for them as a as a as a pairing I think over time that that could work really nicely um and I do think Reach is he's finding his form again I think having scored helped um but he he looked really bright particularly first half he looked really bright and again a lot of our play went down his side uh so he's yeah I think he's sort of, but he's warming up to uh, to 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 having a, another fine season for us. Um, I think it's interesting. I think he's looking like the first choice right back. Like I don't. Yeah, I think so. Particularly with Monk saying midweek that he sees I offer as a centre back, which. Mm. Uh, which could be interesting in terms of his, uh, in terms of what happens with Tom Lees, who who uh, hopefully will be will be fit again after the uh, international break as well. I think the benefit of that is we don't have to find out by rushing back Tom Lees. Yes, play previously been so important that you know maybe we'll put some injections into him or or yeah. just kind of. There's certainly been times when Tom Lees has played and it has not looked like he should have been playing. <laughs> There's definitely yeah. been those times. Uh, I distinctly remember a couple under Carlos where it was like Tom Lees is playing because he's Tom Lees. He's not playing because he's fit. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. And moving uh, on to talk about kind of like a pairing, you know, it's looking like it's a, it's looking like it's the number one centre back pairing for us. <laughs> Which is just insane. I really like the two of them together. I, you wouldn't, you honestly won't find a, a much bigger fan of Tom Lee's than me. I, I, he's been so, so good for us for so long, Tom Lee's. And I like that. I've always really enjoyed the fact that he's not a guy with masses of physical stature, but he really does a great job with what he's got. Um, but it's just there's something about I offer in that position. He's massive. He's quick. He's uh, he, he just plays the game in a different way. To, Tom Lees could never play like I offer plays, and I offer probably can't play like Tom Lees plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really enjoyable to watch I offer play centre back. Uh, yeah, I like this partnership. They seem to be good for each other. Um, one thing I've noticed under under Monk, and uh, he talked um, he talked in one of his early conferences. Actually, no, it was it was the um, it was the piece. Uh, 
that we linked to in a, in a previous episode where he talks about liking thinkers. He wants people that not just players, not just kind of machines that go out and do everything they're told. But what he likes to pick out is the people who have a bit of a thought process behind what they do. Um I've noticed the team talking much more. Uh, part of that might be that Bannon's been the captain recently, so that is licensed to run his little ginger mouth, um, <laughs> <laughs> which which he's taken. Um, but but uh, I do. You you see conversations going on. So I see Iorfa and, and Berner talking. I see Iorfa talking to to Adebayo more. I just see conversations happening. I see Reach talking again to, you know, to maybe talking to Adebayo, discussing what they're going to do next time they get the ball or next time they're put in a situation defensively. Um, it's just quite a nice thing to see. I I, I, I think we long thought that, that Wednesday are quite a quiet team. There's not a lot of talkers within the, the team. Um, but yeah, more and more so, it just seems like they are. They're communicating better. And those two as a pairing, they're, they're getting to know each other's games better and, it, and we're benefiting from it. It's really nice. Um, it's really nice to watch. I, I'm, 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 I'm loving both of their work at the moment. So talk about them in terms of scores, Rich. What did you think Iorfa did? I think Iorfa sort of seven, seven and a half. Um, he, was a, he was a big part of us keeping that clean sheet. Mm-hmm. Burner, I would go. I think, you know, to flag up, Burner was my man of the match. Um, Interesting. I'd probably put him on an eight or so. Wow. Uh, um, I just, well, you know, he saves a goal. He may, he played a big. He didn't make our goal, but he played a big part in our goal happening. Mm. And as a centre back, to be that influential at both ends of the pitch, you're just you're doing everything that's asked of you and a little bit more. I mean, his kind yeah. of. His wild card run into the box created the chaos that let us score our goal. Um, and he also started the move. I mean, it was almost like um, Lewis McGugan's first uh, first game for us where, you know, he kind of cleared it off the line and then ran all the way up the pitch and, and scored at the other end. He 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 was a, a probably a slightly better cross away from that exact thing happening. But as a centre-back, it's crazy. Um so yeah, I th- I, th- I think you c- we couldn't have asked anything more of him. I think he had a great game, um, and and as a pair they had they had great games together. What about you, score wise? Uh, I was maybe a bit harsh. I think I put him as a seven, but I think I could probably stretch to a seven point five. He was very very good. I think I probably I think it was maybe just because as we said there at the beginning of the episode, um, as I probably missed missed uh, the days of uh, Magic B. Yeah, um, I probably missed that. What having someone who can be marauding, and also if you probably talked to me about Sheffield United, I'd probably tell you oh, that yeah. overlapping centre backs is bollocks, basically. <laughs> the thing Hot take. Here, Hot overlapping are different gravy. <laughs> Come for the so, dinner, stay for the hot takes. Different gravy. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of, um, maybe I'm not so accustomed to centre-backs being marauding, but it's, he's he's just been fan. It's Yeah, it was probably one of his better games. And I when I say better games, that's not on a, a, a thing of like saying he's been poor previously. It's, he's yeah. been consistently very good. He's always not, been, I don't think he's gone below a 7 out of 10 at any rate. It's not a peanut in a turd. It's, um, uh, I don't know, a peanut in a Bombay mix. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're allergic where's a, to... Where's a good place to find a... 
I don't know. You don't really... I've, I've got a deathly knot allergy, so I, I, this is uh, it's all new to me. It's all new to sort of beyond your thing. I think, um, I don't know, a peanut in a Snickers? I mean, if you... Okay. I th- isn't that where you'd expect to find a peanut, though? You would expect to find a peanut in a Snickers. You'd expect a few peanuts. If there's one peanut, that'd be a bad deal. I'm just, uh, I'm trying to upgrade your um, your peanut, I know. peanut I in a poo I, analogy. I can't do anything where peanuts <laughs> greatly improve them. Chickpea is chickpeas are pretty boring. Would it be fun to find a, a peanut amongst a, a doll? I that could work actually. That might be um for any uh budding Indian takeaway chefs listening. Give it a try. Let us know let us know if uh that was a nice nice little surprise. Or maybe you uh, made someone like Rich uh, a trip to uh Yeah. In the emergency. <laughs> well, yeah. Once, once again, as as a not as a uh, a severe not allergy sufferer, they they don't need to squeeze any more nuts into Indian food. Um, it's uh it's doing pretty well on its own. But uh, yeah, yeah. You know, let's go with uh, let's go with um, you know, Borner Burner being a finding the a good performance amongst good performances is like finding a peanut amongst the dal, um, which handily looks quite like diarrhea anyway. So uh. <laughs> How have we got here? I don't, I don't know. know. Liam Palmer. Liam Palmer did good. Uh, did well defending. So I guess that's the interesting thing is that while we've seen, you know, we found this within the Borough game, and I, I guess it was probably not so much pronounced yesterday, but we're doing a lot more attacking on the right flank. Mm. Our right flank. So that means that Palmer, Palmer's just keeping to the defending stuff. He is getting a little bit forward at times. Yeah. Um, but maybe not as much as we kind of expect or seeing from Adebayo. And we've been a lot quieter on the left flank than we have on the right, let's be honest. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know how much... It wasn't as obvious that Harris was being doubled up on today. Um, I just... I I wonder if we're just trying to... The, the cat's out of the bag in terms of how good Harris is. So you're daft as a team if you let him... If you leave him with space in behind your your defence, he's going to he's gonna gobble that up. So it's maybe just that, that teams are... Even if they're not sort of wasting extra, extra resources on him just the fact that you you're aware and you you position yourselves you don't give yourselves much room in behind might be might sort of negate parts of his uh his game being reliant on pace but obviously palmer played the played the the really good cross um that the offside uh, goal came from so mm. when, when he's up there i think he's making telling contributions but it, you're right it's certainly not as not as regular as as it as it was and it's not as pronounced as i guess previously it's been <clears throat> yeah i think it, the other thing that might be a factor is i think harris likes to stay wide and get down you know kind of get to the touchline and and, and put balls in which reach doesn't really look to do reach tends to be cutting back on his left foot to play crosses so it might just be that there's less room for palmer to to kind of overlap i don't know we'll we'll, we'll maybe never know but it's um yeah it's an intriguing thing to, to notice that he's he's not he's not having as much to do forward going forward um but he, another good game he was decent yeah i'd it's say he's good. did well defensively yeah, they're both the fullbacks kind of were following their wingers round the pitch, so it ended up with some odd things where like Odebadjo would be on the left hand side of of Burner sometimes. Uh, we kind of went man for man with their their front. Uh, well, Garner stayed in the middle um, and mainly seemed to be talking to the referee you know like the kid that hangs out with the dinner ladies at, at half time or he, he was that's what joe garner was doing with the ref and then we were man marking uh massey or macy low and windass we were just 
following them round. So they 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 struggled to get to influence the game in any way, really. Those 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 front four. Um, well, I guess an interesting thing. I'm looking at the heat maps on who scored. I wanted to look and see how Palmer was doing in in comparison. Interestingly, between Massey, Windass, and Low, 70 touches between all three of them. Mm. That's pretty minimal for the game i would say so yeah so yeah we very much did a, a job on uh keeping that that kind of trident of players uh, you know behind ghana for wigan pretty quiet for the game yeah yeah it was definitely part of the game plan and i think everybody stuck to their task really well uh, which i think was the thing i kind of looked at so palmer did really well last week against borough did a lot of work defending because interestingly again the game of borough we attacked on our right they attacked on their right as well Mm-hmm. So we yeah. were defending on the left, so he was up against a lot, Palmer. So maybe a little bit quieter today, but I don't yeah. think you can give him any less than seven. I think he did, I think no, he did I well. Agree. I agree. I think that's fair. Which brings us on to the start of that midfield trio, Lil Joey. Joey Pelopessi. Oh, Joey. So uh, he's my lowest mark. I gave him a 6.5. Okay. Uh, he did break things up, and he made a couple of a couple of important, one or two important haul downs at moments. He does like a tactical uh, foul, does uh, little Joey. He really does, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't pick up yellows for them quite often because he's got such a cute little face. He does that. He he hoils them down, and then he looks at the ref. And the ref's like, I can't get. He sort of ruffles his his hair and says, I can't get card. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas with Sam, you can't ruffle his hair. It's unruffleable. There's so much product there that it just, yeah, you can't get your fingers through it. Um, anyway, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go for a seven for Pelopessi. I thought he was, he was given a job to do and he did it really well. Um, and, and a couple of times sort of, you know, played a part in things. He did, he's always got like a mistake or two. It just is there. It's part of his, um, his game. There's just always going to be a little lapse where he tries to control the ball I mean, yeah, that, that we were that our goal happened in part because I think Bernard was just annoyed that Pelo Bessi tried to sort of roll the ball with his studs to Bannon in the middle of a really crowded midfield area. And I think Bernard was just like, I'm not having any of this nonsense. And then, yeah, went and made a goal happen. Um, so Luongo on his uh, his league, his first league start. First league start and his uh, first goal for Sheffield Wednesday. I've, yeah. I've gone for it. Um, I thought he did really, really well. Um, just lively, dynamic, vibrant, bright, just plenty of words to describe that. You know, I could just be reading out a thesaurus on uh, the word dynamic. Um, yeah, I think he just is looking like he's looking like alongside Bannon, maybe the second name on the team sheet in terms of I, the midfield. I hope so. I hope so. I, I'd be quite sad if we don't, if Luongo is not on the next team sheet that Sheffield Wednesday put out because he's, yeah. As you say, he he was as advertised. He was action mass. He was all over the place. But he's got a bit of class to his game as well. You know, he could, he's comfortable enough to to turn on the ball and and you know take a bit of time if he needs to. But he can also distribute it quickly if 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 that's what's uh, you know what's what's required as well. It, it was really nice to see. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed his performance today. So score wise, seven and a half. Or are you are you leaning towards him maybe being your Man of the match. I think it's my man of a match. I, I can see the argument from Berner. I think the fact that he scored maybe is the slight thing that thing, isn't it? Yeah. puts in a little bit ahead. You know, the difference to have someone in midfield who could just comfortably stroke the ball home like that, which I mean is interesting. You look at that midfield free trio. Um, interestingly, in the commentary, Hutchinson brought up that, you know, Pelopessi's got a shot on him. He does. And he does. 
he does have a shot on him, but the shot can obviously sometimes blind a child in the audience as well. <laughs> so it depends where that finishing is going to go. Yes. It depends if he's blinding the back of the net or a child. Uh, um, Bannon sometimes comes out of a wilder, a wildy, but um, that... not really known for his shooting prowess. He was a little bit unfortunate yesterday because he had that one which hit the post. And he had another shot which was another just very wide. It looked, it looked as though like he, he had a good handle on that. Um, so to have someone who can look like they can possibly score from the centre mid is really huge considering we've talked a lot about how that balance of goals seems to be really off in the team. Yeah, yeah. And the squad. Um, so, yeah, so he just does a lot to make it happen. And legs, industry, a bit of culture. Um, yeah, he's he's got a bit of everything. I would describe it as head. a nonchalant finish. It just was nothing to him, yeah. which was really nice. And he barely didn't celebrate as well, it seemed. Yeah, or... he, was, he looked pleased, but yeah, not overwhelmed. I think, yeah, Bannon's like one or two a season. I'd be surprised if he's ever scored more than, like, if he's ever scored more than five in a season, but I'm not going to look it up at this stage. Um, Pelupesi's probably a similar sort of rate, maybe a little bit higher. But uh, yeah, Luongo, oh, certainly on yesterday's showing, but he looks like the sort of guy that might grab you, in a good year, might grab 10 goals, which mm. is a, it's a vital thing to have. Because sometimes games like yesterday, all those well-crafted chances and things like that, actually just someone who can, you know what, I'm I've, I'm arriving late in the box. I'm just going to bang this in. There's, I'm not messing around. I'm not going to take a touch. I'm just putting this top corner and see what the goalkeeper can do. And turns out not much because it's David Marshall, um, who must be 107 years old now. How is David Marshall still playing football? <laughs> yeah, it was great. So I, I probably, maybe I would give him an eight as well. And then it's like, it's a tough thing to pick between the two. So Bannon? Bannon had gone for a 7.5. I don't know if you'd think he'd be as high as that. Uh, so he nearly came up with a screamer too. Had some great play. And, you know, he had a bit of a hand in the goal as well. Yeah, I th- I think I'd agree. I think that's a good score for him. Um, if if Bannon, this is, Bannon is a great, great player and could easily, I think, have played. So I think certainly if he was a foot taller, he probably would have played all his career at at Premier League level um, but it could easily in another lifetime he could have played pretty much all of his football at that at Premier League level if he's got the kind of <laughs> ego about him that I think most professional sports people need a bit of ego it's why you get up in the morning if he's got that this team and the way it's set up offers huge opportunities for Bannon this could he could be the guy it's like it's set up to let Bannon shine mm. and if he grabs that mantle we could be in for a pretty interesting ride this season I don't know whether he will I don't know whether he can to be honest because it will require more from him than we've seen before more creativity more sort of incisive passing but i keep seeing glimmers of what could happen (laughs) and what he is capable of we know he's capable of so much but like today bannon could have been in a position where he played a part in in a couple of goals for other people and he could have scored two himself and i think every game by and large is going to present those sort of opportunities to barry bannon because the team is set up to let him have the ball on the edge of their box in space 
that's what the whole the whole game plan is partly release Harris, release Reach, and give Bannon the ball where it matters. That you know the overall the meta game plan is that. And if Bannon rises to the occasion, which I think he can, and I expect him to more often than not, then he could be having one of the best seasons of his whole career. It's it's there for it to happen and become a, a hero alongside everything else. I don't. I don't know whether it will. It's a roll of the dice, but mm. he's going to have the opportunity to do that. It's whether he can he can he can grab that opportunity is going to be a big part of how successful we are this year. Anyway, Adam Reach. So here's the interesting thing to to think about. You could almost put um you could almost categorize Harris and Reach in the same breath. Yeah. So it's interesting that they were both quiet, but effectively they both had a hand in the goal yeah you know harris had a second assist reach had an assist you know it's interesting that we were pretty quiet through the wingers and through the wing play we were less I think so. but one of the criticisms people had is that we're we're one-dimensional in that we're just trying to get it down the wings and bang crosses in so to play a game where we were less reliant on that is probably a good thing in in, in time although it was a bit strange to go as a as a change from where we were to where we are now but yeah i think i probably agree but they both did well when they had the ball which is what we want from them because mm. i think harris had probably his best game in the last maybe the last five games but again he wasn't it wasn't loads of content but he did he did he did really really well like he provided quality when he was given the opportunity to do it and when you're as quick as he is and as strong as he is and you're producing quality crosses it's hard to ask much more from him surely yeah i so i've kind of gone with a seven for both of them i, th- I do think that's fair but it, uh, yeah it's like seven with an asterisk <laughs> mm. so that's the interesting thing that it's you know and sometimes i think that's the dynamic of football is we're going to have games where we do really you know really really well we do really well and certain players just don't feature or aren't as present or aren't as prevalent. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, there's also talked about, we've talked about a back four with Vardabaja yeah. doing really well, you know, a man of a match for Burner, and then probably a slightly lesser grade, but still high for Iortha. And then we come to Palmer and it's like, oh yeah, Palmer did play. Palmer was there. Mm, yeah, it's it just it does happen. It's natural, isn't it? I think th- the other thing with Reach is obviously he got the assist, so maybe you could make an argument for him being scored a little bit higher than Harris, but then he probably did less overall. But there's also there's assists and there's assists, isn't there? There's an assist that is you beat three men and then you roll the ball to this centre forward that just knocks it into an open net, and there is an assist where you kind of cut it back to the edge of the box and then the the, the guy that gets the ball does all the hard work and it was one of those assists i mean obviously reach had to be there and he had to react quickly to get the ball back but um it wasn't exactly handed on a plate to luongo it was a difficult chance that he he seized with both hands and so in terms of being quiet and effective uh what did you think of stephen fletcher Fletcher was good. Um, I'd probably give him a seven. You know, it was very battling. Um, yeah. I like that part of his game. I like the fact that he's getting up and doing a bit of um, WWE, WWE theatrics with um, with some centre-backs. Yeah. And, you know, he should have had a goal. And he would have if it wasn't for a poor officiating decision. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I agree. Seven's fair. He, I'm still, I'm just really enjoying Stephen Fletcher this season. I think he's doing really well. <laughs> um, mm. I hope he can maintain this form and his fitness for as, you know, for as long as possible. It's, it's really nice to, to watch. He's really, really good at being a pain in the backside for defenders. So, yeah, 
Okay. Um, do you want to give scores to subs? Nobody really did anything sub-wise. I think we can skip that for today. Yeah, because it was all kind of time-wasting subs rather than That's having any... That's minutes out of Fletcher. I, I would have thought Fletcher would have come off sooner. Yeah, p- possibly. But he looked fine. He didn't slow down. I don't think... I, I, he didn't look like he was struggling at all, really. Um mm. His output didn't didn't wane as the game drew on, so I think it's mm. fair enough. I think Luongo was a good. I th- I thought actually, to be honest, I thought that was a good substitution at the right time. Uh, Luongo for Kieran Lee because I thought Luongo looked was starting to look a little bit leggy and he wasn't quite able to kind of push the pace in the same way. And then Kieran Lee came in and then on that limited basis was able to to provide the the legs and um an enthusiasm that was maybe starting to drain a little bit. Murphy was odd when he came on. He looked very you know you were talking about the lack of kind of push and power and purpose in what he does. Yeah. Like that to the extreme. He looked so kind of half-hearted and timid in possession because he just seemed to come on and lose the ball about four times. Mm. Anyway, and then Natty didn't have any time to do anything. Um, yeah, so there we go. I thought it was I thought it was a, a a tough game, but a good a good enough performance and obviously a great result. Mm, fair, very fair. Um, so I think in terms of uh, do you have any other sort of closing thoughts for the episode? No, we just um, we've had a good good return, a good spell for Gary Monk coming in. Gary Monk came in after the back of an international break. Yes, he did. And what have we had? Three three wins, a draw, and a loss. It's not bad. Not bad going. Pretty damn good going. So that's what ten. It's ten points from five games, effectively. Yeah, two points, two points a game. Promotion form. That's so, form. That's what they say. Really argue against that. Maybe it's a shame that we were defeated against Hull because it seemed a bit harsh. But um, yeah, very we're in a very very good space right now. Hopefully we can carry on and and like you said, see how we improve from here. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, uh, so obviously it's international break. Uh, last international break we were going to take a, a week off, but then we appointed Gary Monk, so we ended up doing a uh, a special Monkisode. I think probably we'll do a little something for people, but uh, but it won't be a full a full whammy next week. We'll see. There'll be yeah. there'll be something in your feeds, and uh, otherwise have a wonderful uh, week, and uh, we'll we'll see you again on different gravy. We'll see you again. Bye bye. Tough game today, Paul. Uh, what was the plan going into the match? Uh, as you say, yeah, definitely uh, was quite a tricky game. Uh, bitty is how I would describe it uh, in terms of the plan going in. Um, we set up in what I would call the 10 pin formation. Oh, okay, Paul. I don't think I've ever really heard of the ten pin formation. Do you do you mind explaining a little bit about what what you mean by that? Uh ten pin formation is ten players out on the pitch. Uh whenever the ball comes near them they fall over. <laughs>